0: Let me begin today by asking you a few questions. Are bulls enraged by the color red? If you ingest Diet Coke and Mentos at the same time, will your stomach explode? If a top floor elevator breaks loose, can you save yourself by jumping in the moment before impact? Does toast always fall with the buttered side down? And is there a five-second rule within which a fallen toast is still germ-free? Are you ready? These are all myths. Boom. These questions have all been proven to be myths by a process of scientific experiments broadcast on Discovery Channel's TV show Mythbusters. It's good to get the truth. I mean, uh, if you drop a warm cookie on the floor, it is good to know that just picking it up within five seconds does not save you from potential disease. That's why if I drop something delicious on the floor, I always blow it (laughs) before I eat it because then it's safe. It's important to know the truth. And so today, I would like to do some important myth-busting. Here's the first myth. If I am a Christ follower, I must give financially to God's work in in the church. Not true. It is not true that I must give financially to God's work in the church. But let me tell you where this myth comes from. This myth comes from the fact that in the Old Testament, God did command that his people must give back to him and his work. The Old Testament, what is it? It's the story of how God established a contract, a covenant between him and And the descendants of one person named Abraham. And in this contract or covenant in the Old Testament, God was doing two things at the same time. First, God was teaching timeless truths about who He is and how to have a proper relationship with Him. But there was a second thing that God was doing in the contract described in the Old Testament. God was also giving temporary laws, timeless truths, and temporary laws that formed the boundaries of a nation, a nation that would eventually give birth to the Savior. Now, first, God gave timeless truths in the Old Testament about how to relate to God, who he is, and how to have a, a a pleasing relationship with God, and that included giving to God in worship. God gave his people timeless truths about how they should show their gratitude and loyalty to him a specific way. It was by giving a tenth of their income back to him. And God called it in the Old Testament a tithe, 10%. But in the Old Testament, God was not only giving timeless truths. God was also giving temporary laws that formed a nation, that formed a people. And uh, God put this timeless truth into the form of a law in the Old Testament. And so if you know the Old Testament, you know how God reserved some of his strongest language and some of his most severe consequences for his people who ignored his tithing law. And you know how God in the Old Testament would pull away his hand of blessing from those of his people who refused to give back to him, or those of his people who disrespected him by bringing a shabby uh, sacrifice or just giving him kind of uh, shameful leftovers. But more than handing out punishment. That's really not what the uh, Old Testament is about. It's more about God expressing himself and his feelings in a relationship with his people. And so over and over in the Old Testament, God expresses how hurt he is by the way his people are selfish and ungrateful toward him. And over and over, God calls out in pain. and He says, knowing how I give you everything, everything with such abundance, and how I want to bless you more, even more. Why? Why? Oh, why are you so stingy toward me? In the Old Testament, uh, God's giving back instructions were both a timeless truth and a temporary law. But now, the promised Messiah that that nation was designed to uh, give birth to, that Messiah has come. The Savior has come. Jesus, who gave himself as a perfect sacrifice for all our sins so that we could have a, a, a debt free relationship with God. Now, in Jesus, I have a new relationship with God and a new relationship with God's words in the Old Testament. Now, I live by God's timeless truth in the Old Testament, but I do not live by the temporary laws of the Old Testament. So, as a Christ follower, I tithe because I understand that those timeless truths in the Old Testament still apply to me as God's uh, child in Jesus, so I give 10% of my income uh, to God's work here at BlackRock. I, I do it now, and I've done it for almost 40 years because when I was a teenager here at Black Rock, I had a job I, uh, at the Trumbull Mall, and so I would bring uh, my tithe, my 10%, uh, joyfully to uh, this place, to BlackRock, Rock, uh, in worship to God. So I've been doing it for over almost 40 years now, and I've never stopped. I worship God by this act of tithing because it's a timeless truth regarding who God is and how to have a pleasing relationship with Him. I mean, does God still feel strongly about His people showing gratitude and loyalty to Him by giving back to Him? Absolutely, God does not change. I mean, does God still take it a little personally when I choose to ignore his call to give back to him? Absolutely. God has not changed. And that's exactly uh, the the movement behind a classic statement God makes in the Old Testament. Uh, In Malachi chapter 3, God says, I, the Lord, do not change. There it is. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God, in tithes and offerings? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So, there are timeless truths about giving back to God that do not change because God does not change. But, The Savior has come. And so some things do change. Because of Jesus, tithing is not a law for Christ-following people. The truth is that through Jesus, my relationship with God is based on love-giving, not law-keeping. So if someone says to me, You know, you must tithe or God is going to punish you. I can reject that as a myth. Or if someone tries to soften it a little bit and says, oh, you must tithe or God isn't gonna bless you, I can reject that as a myth. If I am God's child in Jesus, I will never be punished for anything by God. Because all the punishment I deserve in the past, the present, and the future has already been taken by Jesus on the cross for me. If I follow Jesus, I am free from trying to earn God's love or forgiveness. If I am God's child in Jesus, God cannot love me any more or any less. Because of Jesus, my relationship with God is not based on law keeping. It's based on this mutual love giving in a relationship with him. And because God wants my love to be sincere, God does not force me into giving. God does not threaten me into giving. God does not guilt me into giving. God does not ever wanna withhold his love or forgiveness from me because I don't or won't give back to him. The only reason God wants me to give back to him is out of my love and my gratitude to him. This isn't my idea. This is exactly what God says through the Apostle Paul who writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter nine. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God does not want me to be a guilty giver or a grudgy giver, or a greedy giver. God wants me to be a giddy giver. That's that's the spirit behind this cheerful giver phrase. That word for cheerful in the Greek is the word hilarion, where we get our word hilarious. God wants me to give back to him with this giddy gratitude that says, God, I am so thankful thankful for what you have done for me I'm just I'm just I would you please just take this as a a a token of my thank you to you I just I'm, I'm just filled with God I'm overwhelmed with the work you've done in me I can't believe I get a chance to give so that you can do that same work in other people God I am so thankful I can't believe I get to do this you know, that's a, you know, that little tear-off in your bulletin uh, uh, related to uh, getting offering envelopes. That, that, we're just encouraging you to get into the joy, get into the giddiness of giving. God wants to, us to give back to him with this giddy, I get to experience. God never, ever wants tithing to be a legalistic, I have to give back to God. So the idea that a Christ follower must give to God's work in the church is a myth. The next myth is this. If I am a Christ follower, my generosity is measured by how much I give to God's work in the church. That's a myth. Now let me uh, demonstrate what I mean. What if I uh, had three people stand up here uh, and and they're going to tell you what they're going to give in the offering uh, uh, later today? And the first person A says, I'm going to give $100 to God's work. And the second person says, I'm going to give $1,000. And the third person, person C, says, I'm going to give $10,000. Which person is the most generous? A, B, or C? Well, most of us are tempted to say, well, it's person C. Because $10,000, that's a lot of money. But God does not measure generosity like that. The truth is, God does not measure generosity by the, a gift's size, but by the gift's sacrifice. And actually, you know, we measure generosity the same way. What if I told you that person C, who's gonna give $10,000, spends that much or more on a weekend of golf? on a regular basis. But on the other hand, person A, who's giving $100, is a nine-year-old girl who has spent uh, all summer and the fall doing chores around the house and for her neighbors so that she can bring the whole $100 to God's work here at the church. We would all agree that it's the girl with $100 in a mason jar full of dollar bills and quarters. She's the one who is truly generous. And we know that this is how God operates. We know that God measures generosity by sacrifice instead of size because in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, we're told that Jesus had a favorite place to sit in the temple. He liked to sit by the offering box which goes back to the timeless truth, you know, about how God doesn't change. When God came to us in the person of Jesus, he supported the idea of tithing. He taught tithing to his disciples. That's in uh, Luke chapter 11. And then 10 chapters later, we're told that Jesus had a regular seat in the temple where he would love to sit by the offering box so he could watch and just smile over those who gave back to God. One day, while sitting next to that box, we're told in Luke chapter 21 that Jesus is smiling as the wealthy people are bringing their coins and pouring them into the offering box. But then a poor widow comes up with two small copper coins, puts them in the offering box, and Jesus does not smile. He leaps up with joy and he says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. And the reason Jesus got so excited is because he knew the sacrifice behind her gift, which is how God measures generosity. Not by the size, but by the sacrifice of the gift. And see, this is the beauty of the tithe, I love the fact that God does not measure faithfulness by setting some kind of fixed amount because that would not be fair. If God set the mark of generosity as $5,000 a year, well, that might be easy for me to come up with, but it might be impossible for my friend. And so in his wisdom, God calls both me and my friend to give 10% of our income, which ends up being two different size gifts that have the exact same amount of sacrifice attached to them. And that is what a tithe is supposed to be. It's supposed to represent some level of sacrifice. It's not supposed to be just... Throwing leftovers into the basket or uh, putting into the basket stuff that's, that yeah, I don't need anymore. The tithe is supposed to be an expression of how I love God more and I put him in a higher priority than some of my other desires and wants. But let me make sure of something. Let me just make sure that no one misunderstands this by just reminding you that if your income is zero, 10% of zero is zero. I realize that some people I'm talking to, for many different reasons, you are in no position to give to God's work because you don't really have anything to give. And as I've said before, if BlackRock is your church and you are struggling for food or shelter or security, then you shouldn't be worrying about giving this church anything. You should let this church give to you. We are a family here at BlackRock. And your brothers and your sisters in this church have given to the Deacon's Fund. Yeah. We give to something called the Deacon's Fund. And it exists to make sure that no one in our church family uh, goes without food or shelter or security for lack of money. We have funds to help you in the short term. We have uh, professionals ready to help you with the long-term issues that are uh, surrounding those things. So please, don't misunderstand this concept of sacrificial giving. If you are in need, please let us help. Then, there's one more myth I wanna bust today. If I'm a Christ follower, God calls out my generosity Because he needs it. All the myths I busted today are dangerous. But this one is beyond dangerous. It's kind of an insult to God. God does not need me to give back to him. God is the source of all things, including everything that I have. And so it's ridiculous to think that God needs me. The truth is, God is in no way impoverished if I choose not to give. But the Bible teaches that I am impoverished if I choose not to give to God's work. If I am God's child, then out of his love for me, God calls out my spirit of generosity because giving enriches my life in every way it's possible to be enriched. God says in his word that giving is the secret, is the secret to the good life that I am desperate for, a life of contentment and gratitude and peace and and the thrill of having a life that really counts. Just think back to those myth-busting scriptures that we've already uh, heard and where God says, test me in this practice of giving and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of blessing. Give cheerfully, for I am able to bless you abundantly so you have all things you need for all good works. And then add to this these words of Jesus. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. And then Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Do you believe, Jesus? When I give back to God, God promises to pour blessing after blessing upon me. Of course, this can include material blessings, but, you know, God is infinitely creative. And so there is no end to the ways that God can bless me and my family and my relationships and give me joy in this life and the next. Because the best blessings of God, of course, are not material blessings. The best things that God has to pour out are those spiritual blessings of inner peace, inner contentment, and the inner thrill that comes with seeing how God takes my simple gifts of worship and then transforms them here at Black Rock into changed lives. This is what God does here at Black Rock. When I give to God's work, God pours out blessing on me, and then he fills me with joy as I get to watch him transform my giving into people who end up getting transformed just like I've been transformed by Jesus' love. How many were here last week? We saw over 30 people baptized here at Black Rock, and each one said how this place was a part of them meeting Jesus and having their lives transformed. Of course, this place is the result of sacrificial giving from people just like you in the form of a lighthouse pledge. And each person who gave to this tool of this building did it out of the hope, out of the desire, out of the the thrilling dream that by creating some more room, more people would come and find Jesus here just like we've experienced Jesus. Well, you know, our lighthouse pledges, uh, they're coming due uh, in uh, five weeks. And so it seems like a good time to step back and just ask, was it worth it? As you fulfill your pledge, you may be wondering, whether your prayers have been answered or not. You may be wondering whether or not God is fulfilling our dream that he would draw more and more people here to experience Jesus. Well, here's your answer.
1: My name is Sabrina Otera, and I've been coming to Black Rock since they opened the new church in the new location in June. So just a few months. Ever since I was a little girl, I was just kind of like in a chaotic home and um, never stable. So from then on, I was just like always on like the never ending journey to find peace. Um, That was a big deal for me. I would go to like yoga classes, which which yoga's great, but, um, and I ended up becoming Buddhist because I thought that was kind of like the way to find peace um, I never um, I you know I was raised Christian and um, went to church and then once I left once I graduated high school I, I didn't want anything to do with the Christian church I was done um, you know there had a lot of things that happened and I was confused I was yeah, I was a teenager and although I knew about God um, and we went to church it, my life was not peaceful, it my I, my childhood was not like any child should. I mean, it was not peaceful, it was not happy, it was very, very dark and sad. And um, so I just, I, as I got older, I just thought, where was God throughout all that? And um, I just resented Him as time went on, and as years passed and as other things were going on, I just, I think my heart just grew colder when my ex-husband and I got divorced and I became a single mom um, that was hard because I had also, the day that I the day that I left and I went to move into my new apartment I also lost my job so I had to go home and it was Christmas and so I had the girls and I had no job and it was Christmas and um, that was tough so I was just kinda like that led me to just say, okay, I gotta figure this out. I met Paul um, sometime after I was divorced, and um, we got married, and we got pregnant, and so we didn't have enough space in our apartment in New York, and so um, Paul was like, we're gonna buy a house in Connecticut, and I was totally against that, but we bought a house, and we moved to Fairfield. When I would come off the Merit, um, driving to wherever, coming off the Merit, we would pass the church and the church was a mess. It was like, I remember it was freezing and there was just rocks and snow everywhere. I felt like a wreck um, after all that had happened. And I think Black Rock being like a mess, like also in shambles, it kind of like in a way was It sounds silly, but it was like inspiring for me. I was like, okay, when they open, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna start fresh. I'm gonna start new with them, even though Black Rock's been around like forever. But I didn't know, you know, for me, it's new. So it was just kind of like starting new with the church in a new place, like a new foundation. Um, And I've been going ever since and I love it. The first time that I went in the pamphlet that they gave, the bulletin, there was a um, little thing about starting point. So I told Paul about it, and I was just like, you know, there's this class, and it's called starting point, and I think it'd be great for us. And um, you know, we walked in, and it was just a great group of people. We just, and we just, you know, we've been going, and we've gotten connected, and you know, I didn't expect it to be, but it's been like healing and therapeutic because you're just able to like talk with other people and share with other people and listen to their stories and just even just listening a lot of times, just hearing everyone share their stories. um, I mean, that kind of puts everything into perspective and um, you just kind of realize that, you know, you may not be like as alone as you previously thought, or, you know, there might be someone else who's been through something similar, or maybe not, but you know, the, the point is just that it's a safe place to like, you know, kind of open up and you just, you're not worried about like anything, everything that's kind of said in the room is, it stays there. So that's the nice thing about it is that I've been able to kind of go back and um, just like think about my life before and reflect and um, just kind of see where God has brought me now. And um, it's just amazing when I look back. I'm just like, that's crazy, like looking back to the way my life was. It's just starting point kind of puts it all together. Helps you to like put it all together and piece it together and kind of go, wow, I've really come a long way. Having God in my life again has brought me, has kind of brought it all together. Whereas before it was just like looking for something and like never being able to find it but like trying everything. And it not only brings peace to like me, but you know, in my house, in my home, with my family, with my marriage, it's just, everything is calmer. And it's just, I mean, I think for anyone that knew me then, and that knows me now, they could tell you, wow, what a difference. And whether or not they want it, what they want to attribute that to, that's up to them. But I think, Somewhere in their, in their heart, they can't deny that that change for me and in me is God because it's just kind of all come together now.
0: Well, I'm going to ask uh, Sabrina, would you mind uh, coming up here, Sabrina, just so we can just uh, talk just for a second. Uh, let's, let's welcome Sabrina, kind of an uh, answer to... Uh... So it's kind of cool. So you're uh, uh, you're going by. Uh, you just moved here, and you're going by this place, and it's a, b- a mound of gravel. Mm. And uh, and you sense God drawing you here. And how cool is it that at the same time we're praying for you, uh, people like you, to come here and uh, and deepen a relationship with Jesus. Uh, so how's it feel to kind of be a fulfillment of a dream? How's that feel? <laughs>
1: Feel the pressure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's great. Um, I just, you know, while I'm thankful that you all were praying for me and people like me and others like me, um, it's just beyond me to think that this is all part of his plan all along. And even when I didn't want a part, any part of his plan, it, you know, it just goes to show you his strength. And so before I even stepped foot into BlackRock, um, he was calling me. and um, So it's just crazy to me to think that this is all just part yeah, of what he does, part of his plan.
0: God was doing something yeah. uh, even beyond what yeah. we could have dreamed. Well, now you're in starting point, and uh, you're just about ready to uh, finish that. And in the process, you've grown so much deeper in a relationship with Jesus. So in your recent experience, what would you say has been the biggest kind of impact uh, you've experienced in that?
1: Um, Definitely the peace. Um, I just, you know, I just was searching for so long, and um, I just, I'm just so thankful for Starting Point, and I just, definitely, people had been telling me, um, you know, other believers, and my family members, and other Christ followers, like, you know, follow Jesus, and he's the way, and I wasn't convinced and i just thought they were trying to get me to go to church and well, they probably, um, were. They probably yeah, were yeah <laughs> but uh but they were right and and so um definitely i've not felt peace like this before yeah. so it's definitely god
0: and now i know a little bit about what you're doing is you're now pressuring people to come to church now <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: i am who would have thought <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah
0: <laughs> it is so cool to see that full circle and uh, we just Thank celebrate you. And thank you for being willing to come up and share that with us. Thanks, Sabrina, again with us.